You're listening to DraftKings Network. You do look at the deadline and go, like, couldn't you have found a finisher, not just someone finish? But apparently not. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Come on, I channel my inner Allison right there. A finisher with two ends. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the uh, winter enduring, but still super cute looking and ever vigilant in making sure that we look at things uh, completely in the right way. Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? You're too kind. I'm great. I'm getting ready for my first St. Patrick's Day in Boston. I don't know, like, I not, I'm not a big Irish gal. I know a lot of people in Boston are very Irish Catholic. And then I moved. So here I am. My first selfie parade on Sunday. Let me know if anybody has any tips or tricks. Well, the tip, of course, would be to wear your Too Many Men Biddle News. <laughs> available now. Available now on our merch site. Um, but we, of course, would not be Too Many Men without the beautiful and clip heavy and advocate for growing the game and connecting the dots with some great stuff that the league actually did. The wise beyond her years, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. What high praise made my day. I was, you know, I wasn't having a great morning and now I'm like my whole day wiped away just with a little bit of praise. Wiped away. Wiped wiped away. Wiped the grain away. of sand on the windshield. No more grains of rice. We're now grains of no sand. No more. It's raining grains no. of rice. We're swiping those away. <laughs> well, and again, we do actually thank y'all for the great response. We loved having Piper on the last episode. It sounds like people might want to see her again. So we'll see if she has time for us with her very important schedule, not involving her hobbies. Um, but let's move on. It is time for Sarah's favorite segment. Sarah, what time is it? Bit-O News. I love that you always do the little drum roll, but we actually can't hear it. Yeah, we can never hear it. the drum roll, but I'm glad we can see it. We we yes. feel it. <laughs> you're, you're... <laughs> All right. Well, let's get right into it, my friends. In terms of Bit-O News, um, first, we have a couple injuries, some key injuries to teams that are definitely in the playoff discussion. Uh, first up, it came out... Um, Yesterday, after the news of a knee injury um, to Andrei Svechnikov came out, we now know for sure that it is a torn ACL. He is getting surgery and he will be missing the remainder of the season. This is obviously a big loss for the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that is atop the Metro standings. Um, and also just Sarah, you you were, and we all are, but Sarah, you've covered this player in the past, but um, on a personal level, obviously devastating for him. Sarah, walk us through the repercussions, not just for the individual, but also for a team that wants to get back into the Stanley Cup conversation this year. Yeah, I'll start with the individual because you saw him at the All-Star game while we were catching up. He's just such a lovely kid. He's so innocent and nice. And you can tell he's just worked his whole life to get here and such a hard worker. He, Mike Rousseau reported that he was devastated and he kept telling Don Waddell, the GM of the Canes, I'm so sorry, Don, as if it's his fault and he wanted to tweet her. Exactly. He, like, he loves hockey more than anything. It's just really, really devastating for him, the player, and he... Had a lot of potential. I think he was ready to unleash this season and this postseason. He's a great postseason player. So that sucks for him. And it sucks even more for the Canes. And you hate 
talking about something when this is like a, a serious injury that sucks. You hate being immediately like, well, why didn't they do anything at the trade deadline? But they needed to for the patch already insurance because he is hurt. And now it's kind of, uh, this team has so much depth, but not that star power. And when you take away one of the stars that they do have, it's kind of brutal. And maybe it's one of those moments where to quote trip Tracy, you dig in and hunker down and people uh, who's going to be the emerging star. Maybe it's Seth Jarvis. I don't know, but maybe it's Jesse Puljavari. Like he, Seems to be very, very happy in Raleigh now, and maybe he'll have a little resurgence there with his career. But is it going to be enough? I don't know. Is isn't it pull you, Yarvi? Who knows? Not me. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Shana. What are the repercussions for the Canes? How much do you think this impacts uh, not just the balance of their season, but their ability to push for a cup this year? Yeah, like they're going to make the playoffs, obviously, but it just feels like they could slip down the metro standings a little bit, like. What Sarah said, they need star power. That's what we always talk about with the Canes. And it feels like they have so much two-way star power and so much defensive star power, but they need that offensive star power. And here's, you know, a prime example of it. And now they're going to be without it um, for a really long time. Like, I don't know if there's any possibility of him returning in the playoffs. I feel like there, I don't think I saw, I didn't read enough reports to fully know that answer, but um, it just feels like here was their chance. You know, this was a good year and they, uh, without Pasharetti, without Svechnikov, and it's like they addressed it to a point and then it just you know blew up in their face. It's like in a really unfortunate situation. So I don't know. It just feels like they don't have anyone in the lineup that can play that role. Like Puyarvi is really good at driving play, but he doesn't finish his chances. And that's literally what they needed before the Svechnikov injury. And now it's like magnified even more. So, you know, good luck to them figuring this out. It, it does. You do look at the deadline and go like, couldn't you have found a finisher, not just someone finish? But apparently not. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> Come on, I channeled my inner Allison right there. A finisher with two ends for the folks <laughs> at home. But I really, really like almost everybody who works for the Canes, like staff. Uh, almost everybody. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> a few who, like players, coaches. I like great, great people there, but. They did this sort of victory lap after because they've been getting criticized for not doing much at the deadline. I, like, take criticism when you're a team that's really good. You have to take criticism. There's people on their staff that were tweeting like, haha, we have what was it? Twelve goals in two games after the deadline. And then they had zero goals in two games. And then Svechnikov goes down. It's like, don't nobody was criticizing you about your regular season play. That has never been the issue every time. Every playoffs scoring dries up. So that's what people are allowed to criticize you. And that comes with the territory of being a good, relevant team. Rod Brindamore gets that. But it's like a lot of the times I, I think it can be really, really tough to go from small market that hasn't made the playoffs in nine years to suddenly still a small market, but perennial playoff team that has sellouts every single night. Now it's kind of the when you switch that gear. I get it, but stop doing your victory laps after two games. 100%. 100%. Well, another team that actually did get to do the victory lap last year, but now has been uh, struggling with injuries basically all season, has another blow come to them. Arturi Lekkonen is out for the Colorado Avalanche with a broken finger. I have not seen, is it four to six? weeks on this do we have a i think that's right i um, think so but and we're Shana, getting to the point where that means something that's right 
a hundred percent. Shana, what are the implications for Colorado with now another big time player out and they still are waiting for some of their injured players to come back? Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Like they've managed throughout the year with all of these injuries. And like, I feel like a good example for them on like how to move forward out that Lekkanen is like, how did they move forward without Nutrition? Because they're kind of like similar role players, but it, it does feel like it's getting to the point, like Landis Gog still isn't back and yes, he's skating, but the timeline isn't super clear yet. Um, I don't, I think Peter Ball reported like the timeline's still unclear the other day. So without that, it's like, that's two top six wingers. Now you're without, you still don't have that ideal second line center. You know, you have Jesse Comfort's brother managing well, but it would be better if, you know, you had the elite wingers for that support. Like we know what the avalanche can be. What works for them is like that. They don't play in the strongest of divisions. You look at the Winnipeg jets right now, like how they're sliding and you know, the wild, we know their weaknesses. They have great goaltending right now, but offense is still a problem. So there's like a way for the avalanche to take advantage of the situation, but it's going to get to a point where you're like, is, are these injuries just too much for them to overcome? You have Eric Johnson, you have Blender Cook, you have Lekkanen. Are they cursed? Did they do something that we don't know? Like, it just feels like, are they having one of the toughest years with injuries? Cause it does feel that way. Like anytime it's like, here's a return, you know, McKinnon's back from injury or McCarr's back. It's like, well, we're going to slap you in the face again. Like I need to know, like who did they piss off? They made a deal with the devil to get their, their cup there. Apparently did Nathan McKinnon eat a carb this summer? And now <laughs> did he stray from light beer for a minute? I don't know. You didn't listen to enough Taylor Swift and too much gonna. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, I I think it's obviously a pretty, it seems to be a good bet that Colorado will make uh, the playoffs, but how far do you think they go, even if some of these players are able to come back? I think, prediction? For, I think for them, and this year I would argue that it doesn't really, I don't know, for, it feels like first round matchups in the West aren't as consequential, but I think they are for the abs. Like, are they going to play a bat, like a, a lower tier team or the hardest team, because I don't think they're going to be able to hang against like the most talented team. Uh, or maybe they will. I don't know. Nathan McKinnon is such a game breaker that he really, he can drag. It really depends who's healthy. And also I think every game in the regular season matters for them right now as they fight for positioning. Indeed. Well, some fun bit of news and our last bit of news. Um, I was surprised, delighted, and thrilled with the execution of something we talked about last episode, and that was the NHL Big City Greens Classic. Folks, and stay out of my Twitter mentions, I apologize that I'm not hip enough to know what Big City Greens is. I know that it's a show. That's all I know. I still don't really know, but I just thought that the league and everyone involved just knocked this out of the park. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fresh. I thought it was unique. I think people just had a great time taking it in. I had people tweeting saying their kids were watching with them, that their kids wanted to watch it. They did a great job educating fans. They did a great job just celebrating the game. The chicken ref I need in my life all the time. (laughs) Shayna, what was your favorite part of what I think was just a huge success for the league yesterday. I think it was just the overall enthusiasm. It felt like there's enthusiasm from those putting this together. Um, you know, like you think of like puck tracking and data, like it's not the most exciting thing if you're not a nerd, but like here it is put into a very exciting way. And I think Kevin Weeks being on the broadcast was the best decision they could have made because he's so enthusiastic. Like mm-hmm. he's his energy is so infectious. And I really do like when he does color commentary because he adds so much pop. And I think he was the perfect person for this. Do you, I think, and too, like 
the enthusiasm from like the fans, you know, I tweeted something out too, because I was curious, like are our kids watching this and so many people were responding how their kids are so drawn in by it. So it would be nice if this is a monthly thing. I think that'd be outstanding. I don't know like the work it takes to do it. If now they have like the foundation, they can just apply it to other games, but it was really smart the way they explained like you said they explained it they they made it fun and exciting were there a couple blips and mistakes up absolutely that's going to happen but i think if they could do this a couple times a season and even stick to like the nfl style and the way they did the islander game with nickelodeon where like spongebob and patrick explain the rules and it's a regular game with special effects on top that's one way to do it too i think they could rotate the two and interchange it just to get new fans to get to you know generate interest and i don't know if big big city greens is either that's i am way past the age of knowing <laughs> these things anymore i know the You're old way past the age yes <laughs> i i i i don't know the i didn't even know that was a thing when it said big city greens i had to look it up i was like i have never even heard of this so you know give me the retro disney shows give me some lizzie mcguire and some disney princesses and i'm there but I, I still even like not understanding the show fully still enjoyed it. Like as an adult, we were flipping back and forth because it was a little bit delayed. So we would watch the play and then, you know, it goes to commercial and you jump back to the other. And I had it up on my computer the whole time. Like, I, I just think it was really well done. And I'm with you, Shana. I thought that Kevin Weeks was great. I've actually told him this um, because I just think it's so meaningful. What I love and what stands out to me is that every time Kevin Weeks talks about the game of hockey, he it's always boys says, and girls. boys and girls. He yep. always says that. Yep. And I've told him how meaningful that is. And I just think that's a huge testament to what he's trying to do other than just comment on a game. And I just he, mad props him. Weeksy, we all we know you're listening. Everyone listens. But, <laughs> yeah, everyone's uh, listening. Again, but you know, what? I like that when you said there was something that stood out. I knew exactly what you were going yep. for because it is that meaningful. I hear that every time. And I'm like, fucking right. Like it's yep. it's refreshing to hear all you boys and girls want to go out there and play gold. This is what you have to do. It, it's it opens the door to it. If if I was yep. you know a kid watching the game hearing like I I can do that, I, I would be hyped. And I know he Sarah, just had a kid, and yeah. I just like when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh my god, he's probably the best dad. Totally. <laughs> he was so enthusiastic. He was doing all like reenacting Shesterkin's things in his little cartoony way. I thought it was perfect. But I also loved when they were fighting, because that was inevitable, like Shayna said in last episode with Tom Wilson and the Rangers, and they had little dust balls, <laughs> like clouds of yeah. smoke. It was very, very adorable. And I just love the way they were explaining things, too, because we can all use a refresher sometimes. Absolutely. So it was a big hit. We'd love to see it again. Hey, have us come on. We'll commentate the, yeah. the game for you. I won't curse at all. We oh, know that I can do it for an extended period of time. I know. I know. And also, shout out to Nintendo. I do want you to turn those graphics into a hockey game for me. Me, specifically. That's what I need. They need more. They need more yes, hockey games. Nintendo. They do. They do. Um, all right. Let's move on. Uh, we haven't had a visit to the shit list in a while, but uh, uh, we actually, in full disclosure, chatted about this a bit before we came on to record for you all today. Um, we do record on Wednesday for our Thursday episode. Um, and we are going to have a careful entry onto the shit list today. Um, we wanted to talk about this now because we are paying attention to it, but we also want to acknowledge that we don't know in totality um, the story, and we also don't know in totality how much we want to make this just about hockey um, because, and Sarah, you're going to talk to this, um, but there is a video that was released yesterday, I believe. 
that shows Carson Briere, who is the son of the interim Flyers GM, pushing a wheelchair that is empty down a flight of stairs. Um, it is reported by the individual who put up this video that the wheelchair was at the top of the stairs because the owner of the chair had to be carried down those stairs to go to the bathroom. That was the only way for them to get there. Um, Sarah, you had an immediate reaction when you saw the video, and I think it's perhaps the most important point based on what we know now, because the school where Carson Breer plays hockey is Mercyhurst, and they have said they are launching an investigation. That's all we know factually. But Sarah, you had a really important take on what went through your mind and heart when you saw this video. Yeah, I just think it costs zero dollars to be a good person. And doing that is just the cruelty seems like the point. And again, I don't know if he knew that there was somebody in the wheelchair before. Right. And that's why there's an investigation. But all I said was it takes zero dollars to be a good person. And some people were immediately just jumping to respond like, OK, canceling people is equally bad. I, I just hate the discourse of canceling. It, it leaves out all types of discussions we could have and because people are immediately like all canceling is bad on the same exact level and it's all the same thing which is not true i think holding somebody accountable and that's another phrase that has been just kind of becoming jargon where you can bully someone i don't know i'm not saying that i'm saying an investigation is holding somebody accountable uh, it's the first step and then it's just okay, what is he going to do to rehabilitate, make this right? You know, maybe he'll, this will be a moment in his life where he looks back and it's like, oh my God, I was really a bad person and I, I need to change my ways. And that would be great. But I just think looking at that was, it's really hard to watch. I mean, I, what is the reason for doing that? I don't know. Just go back to the party and drink beers. Like, come on. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, again, what we do know factually is that um, this individual was also dismissed from the Arizona State University hockey program um, for violating team rules. Um, it has been shared that there were some off ice issues there for this person as well. Um, I do want to shout out quickly. I've not read this, but I'm sure that it's a very important perspective. Um Diversity expert and advocate, our good friend Chanel, who goes by Chanelli37 on Twitter, has posted a piece that she wrote um, with her opinions and insight into this issue. I'm going to read it after we're done recording, and I would just encourage everyone to do so. But uh, again, we're waiting to see how this shakes out. We are watching it. Um, but Shana, do you have any comments on all of this? Yeah, it just it it what Sarah said, like it's it's not hard to be decent. Um, I feel like we say that so often and it's true in hockey and it's true elsewhere um and it does feel like when you see it you know at first glance if you don't know he's a hockey player you don't know anything you just go you don't need to do that you don't you don't need to be you know <laughs> like there's there you know you could there's no i don't think there's really any way to defend it either like you don't need to know like the context of storyline it's just like you're an asshole yeah. when you see that at first glance um and then the more you hear about it it just feels like Sometimes people are so entitled that they think they can do whatever and get away with it and they'll be fine because of who they are, their name, their opportunity. And it just is really disappointing because it's it's so it's just so unnecessary. So we'll see where this goes and hopefully like the situation is righted in some way. And it's not just about how will he be penalized, but how will he learn from this and how will he learn to be a decent person? Um, you know, a lot of people can get by on their name or on what they do alone, but it just feels like here. There needs uh, some legitimate work to uh, actually be a functioning, nice human being as and well. I just, yes, I just want to say 
you can call somebody an asshole or call some something that somebody did an like an asshole move without saying I want this person to go to jail. There's nuance yeah. and there's different levels to things. And I just think the people that are like, oh, whatever happened to freedom of speech are now policing everybody else's freedom of speech to say, hey, that was an asshole move, no matter how you slice it. I'm not I don't know the guy. I'm not saying, oh, he is inherently an asshole. I'm saying that yeah, you could be the nicest cannot... person. You still did something and you're yeah. that's, well, well, that's a shitty thing. To I'm do. sure he's not. But I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm sure he's not. For, he's sake of, for argument's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he did, we all saw with our eyeballs, and that is not a nice thing to do. And that doesn't mean I think he should go to jail for five years, but it does mean I'd like to see him make it right. And I just hate that every single time we have any of these discussions, people are jumping. Oh, so you want everybody to just die? You want all men to die? Like, I just want to yep. have a conversation about this. Yep. 100%. There's too many men being assholes. We just want a little less of that. A little bit less of that. The bar is so low. We're not asking for anything well, and, and listen, I mean, we we come on this show all the time and we advocate for space for people who don't look like white men in this sport. And I think that to your point, Sarah, as opposed to this being like, oh, you want them canceled. Oh, no, I don't. And like there's a very real conversation, which is why I'm looking forward to reading Chanel's piece. There's a very real conversation about this is another example of a group of people that we as a society don't intentionally make space for as we need to in all cases. And I think that's a really important conversation here. Why is it funny to push a wheelchair down the stairs? That is part of someone's life. That is an essential part of how they exist fully and have access to all the same things that we have access to, how they even got to that party theoretically in the first place. And I wish people had more empathy. That's all I wish is what I'll say. All right, uh, let's move on to some hockey talk. Uh, this has been brewing for a while. I just kept laughing about it, um, even preemptively to the deadline, uh, with the memo that came out saying that you couldn't trade injured players. The implication was cap circumvention to have a lot more players and be over the cap for playoff time. But meanwhile, we have a franchise in the state of Arizona, my friends, who have a strategy of basically taking on long-term injured reserve contracts such that it allows them to get to the cap floor. And I've actually had some people um, ask me, they don't necessarily understand this. So I'm going to start it, Shana, you're going to finish it because you're a cap expert. But basically Arizona is trying to run their organization as cheaply as low budget straight dollars is what I'm saying. I'm not commenting on anything else. Straight dollars wise, as lean as possible as they can. And so if they take on long-term injured reserve contracts, it allows them to reach the required, it helps them reach the required minimum amount, amount of money they must spend on their roster without it being actual dollars paid because many, if not all of those contracts are insured. So they can get on their roster very, very low cost contracts and meet the league requirements for what they are in theory supposed to spend without actually investing in theory in the caliber of players that would allow them to meet the cap floor. So I laughed hilariously that this is fine, but it's not okay to, to use LTIR to actually have a good team in the playoffs. This is getting more and more traction. Again, Shana, you are our expert. You have written on this extensively for years. What is your take on the Arizona strategy? It does seem like people are getting a little bit less patient with this being okay in the league. I've had enough of the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> like, that's it. 
I feel terrible for their fans in every which way, because I am getting to the point where it's like, first of all, I think ownership management, everybody needs to get the fuck out of this league. And there need to be people who want with creative ideas on how to fix this. Um, Whether it's in Arizona, I don't know. I think it's embarrassing too, because like, this is a team, the league has done so much to keep in its place for the fans who deserve so much better than this. And it feels like the team just keeps slapping the league back in the face. Um, We think of long-term IR contracts. We think of how teams like to use that pool of money to, to replace injured players, right? Mark Stone is on long-term IR. That's $9 million. The Golden Knights can now spend elsewhere. You don't have to use it in that way. You can use it simply as cap hits to hit the cap floor. And that's what the Coyotes are doing. Um, I think about, 42% of their salary cap, if I'm remembering this correctly, from deadline day is injured players. Um, Some are players that played for them and happened to get injured. Andrew Ladd's an example of that. I think when they acquired him, he was injured and then he came back and then he got hurt again. But for a check that is just dead space, uh, Weber, that is dead space. And so insurance covers a lot of these contracts. And the other thing is a lot of these contracts, they're going for deals that were front loaded. And now the tail end of them, the salary and the actual cap hit are two different things. And I think that's like so important. So a player might have a $5 million cap hit, but only have a million dollar salary. So they only owe them the million dollars. The cap hit is just what's going to contribute to whether you hit the cap floor, or the cap ceiling. Um, a team that's in their position can absolutely leverage their cap space in this way. I don't think there's anything wrong with a bad team saying, Hey, we have extra cap space and we are, we will take your number two prospect and a second round pick from you. So you can free up the moves to contend and do something that legitimately works the way they're doing it though. It's not like they're getting enough back in return for this to make sense for it to thread the needle, you know, to, to actually improve. And that's where I think this is going so wrong for them. If they were making moves that we saw, they're going to have this amazing prospect pool or anything like that. It's a totally different conversation. That's not what it is. And then you pair it with the other moves they made at the deadline, the Jacob Chickering deal. I bet you anything, they could have had a better return if they were willing to take salary back, but it seems like they were so hell bent on avoiding adding anything to spend that they moved out their best trade piece for nothing. And now we'll see what happens with Nick Schmaltz and Clayton Keller. There just doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope there. And that's why, you know, our top draft picks going to want to go there Should the league want top draft picks to go there. If Connor Bedard skating, do you want Connor Bedard skating there? Like there's so many questions now. So you just have to wonder, is this management group, you know, they were dealt a tough hand to take over, but they're not doing anything great with it either. They could have really made it work and they didn't. So the situation I think is total shit. Sarah, your thoughts on the Arizona Coyotes quote unquote strategy, which seems to happen year after year. (laughs) Yeah. Good points all around everyone. I mean, it is partially the management's fault. Obviously they're the ones making the decision, but it all goes back to Gary Bettman being so hell bent on this happening to me. Like he, this man, I guess he's a good commissioner because he can really like the way he talks about certain things. It's like, he really will just not admit that bad things are happening, whether it's concussions or the situation in Arizona or diversity and inclusion and hockey is for everyone. The way he spins things, I guess like he was a lawyer. It makes a lot of a good lawyer at that, but what, it's just, what are we doing here at this point? I do mullets fun for a season, but I just, I do wonder the long-term plans. Like Shana said. Yeah, it's crazy to me. I I will say, like, it by all reports, the ice is great at Mullet. It looks like it's a fun scene. Like, 
it can be fun for a while, but I, like I just said, I feel like we've been saying the same thing about Arizona for forever. And at some point there has to be a plan. Like you can't, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't love this. I, and again, you're not even spending the actual dollars, which is also a problem because you're not going to have the same hockey related revenue as well, because you have a smaller rink, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so. remember though, they saying they were saying, oh, we're going to make the same profits because the lower operating costs and the really high ticket right. prices, they're trying to offset it. But like, how are you selling tickets with this fucking roster? I know. Like, I shouldn't, shouldn't you want to lean into the college vibes and make, like you were saying, it's not bad, but you just have to lean into it a little bit more. You have to put some sort of team out there. And what they're doing is honestly embarrassing the team that they're putting out there because they wouldn't take, they could have taken a couple of players back and like made this a little bit more competitive and interesting. And they, they chose not to. And then it's like, you're going to have a new building. What team are you putting out on the ice at that new building? How the hell are you going to fill 18,000 or 16,000 seats if you go on the smaller side? Like, what are we doing here? It gets to a point. 100%. 100%. And I also, to your point of like, what are you doing to the players and the team and the fans? I talk to a lot of fans from other fan bases. I mean, we've seen it here in Seattle too. It's a new arena. So fans want to come see it, right? Like everyone wants to see what this is all about, but ultimately you fear that it's do they really even have home ice because are there going to be enough fans of the Arizona Coyotes in the stands? I don't even know if that's the case. So we shall see. We shall see. Uh, in brighter news, uh, one other hockey topic we wanted to get to today is the renaissance, as the British like to say, of one Jonathan Quick. You all may recall um, the drama filled trade uh, at the deadline ish. When Jonathan Quick was sent to the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, more so uh, Jonathan Quick was upset, not necessarily, but because of the destination, because, again, take pot shots when they're accurate, but not when they're not accurate, um, but because he was uh, felt unceremoniously treated and did not feel that his longstanding career with the Kings had been respected when he was traded. Traded to Columbus, Columbus does the right thing by the player and quickly moves him back to a contending team in the Vegas Golden Knights. And my friend, when we on this very podcast talked about this trade, we said Jonathan Quick has not had the best season. Um, this has been coming for him in terms of performance. And here he is, four games with the Vegas Golden Knights, four wins, one in overtime, nine goals allowed total, and one shutout. Is Jonathan Quick back? Shana, your thoughts? Yeah, um, Jonathan Quick. Quick's motivated by fight, and we are here for it. Like that first game against Montreal, I was watching. I think they took like a four-one lead or something, and then he started allowing these goals back. And I was like, "Oh shit, where's this is? This is not going the way Vegas probably hoped." But the way he played against, uh, I think, it was Tampa Bay was really good. And the Canes, I think he saved three goals above expected against the Canes. I think he's around five point five goals saved above expected in four games. Um, that that is quality hockey right there. He is playing so well, and it's such a small sample. But like, I do want to see it continue. Like, you know, you feel for Aiden Hill, who I think was doing the most to show he could be a starter before he got hurt, and Logan Thompson too. But and the three goalie rotation, as we know from our good friend Marty Baron, is not ideal, especially for the goalie that's going to be sitting there like an idiot during practice doing nothing. But you know what? It's it's a fun storyline right now, and there's a potential for drama, and I, which you know I'm always here for. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see like how he plays because we saw these streaks last year. Uh, like if we 
you go past all of the bad uh the streaks last year where he had those like really uh strong moments of brilliance and then he kind of fell apart and then he found it again for the playoffs you know does he have it in him to keep this up that's what i want to know and you know if he does that net i would guess is his i can't see if he's playing at this level it's going to anybody else no matter the situation like the health situation so you know what bring it jonathan quick and show your team up show your former team up why not that's what we're all looking for sarah the jonathan quick revenge tour here for it believe in it what do you think Oh, I'm here for it. And it's almost like you could see the wheels spinning, the wheels turning, everything happening when it went down. Like, right, Vegas is the land of misfit toys and it's striking again. It's like uh, this always ends up happening in Vegas. And then it's in division rivals and they might have like a, I don't know, I I don't know where they're at now. Everyone's fighting for every position every day, but they could be a first or second round matchup potentially. And of course he's going to play well in that. It could be like the last wind that he needed. And then LA will be like, see, we did this on purpose because we love him so much, but don't read Until- history. You put him in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Until he beats them. And then they're going to be like, oh, love it. All right, my friends. Well, in honor of our first hockey topic today, we're going to end with our favorite game and that is an Arizona-themed one at that. It is time for Fuck, Mary Kill. All right, Sarah, you are up first. Are you ready? I suppose. You suppose. Here we go. Fuck, Mary Kill for relocation cities. Houston, Quebec, Atlanta. Where should the Arizona Coyotes actually move to and play? Your picks, please. I'm marrying Houston because it hasn't been done before. It's a really fun city. And I mean, Atlanta is probably funner, but we'll get to that. And I just think it has like has potential investors and I could see that working out. I am fucking Atlanta just because I would marry Atlanta, especially with the Anson Carter connection. I know he like owns the gladiators and or is partial owner and he lives there obviously with TNT and it would be so much fun with TNT there too. So I'm thinking about that, but I think they want to put it more in the suburbs and I don't like that. I think let's lean into the culture of Atlanta if we're going to do it. Okay. Let's do it right. And I'm killing Quebec just because already, I mean, already done Quebec city and it's annoying. You know what? It's <laughs> annoying. I don't like it. Okay, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Shayna, what's your call? I like that you said relocation and not expansion because everyone's talking about expansion. It's like, can we not until we figure out this one team? Like, we cannot have a conversation about expansion with one team struggling the way it is. So um, I'm also going to kill Quebec. I I don't want to, like, write off the idea of Quebec because it does feel like there's a very passionate city. They have the arena there, and I think that's great and wonderful. But it just feels like this is not the conversation to be having, like, the thing about Arizona that I think the league enjoys so much is that it's it's a different market. It's Southern hockey. And I think that you should lean into that instead of saying, here, Canada, take another team back. Um, Let's grow the game in America. This is my yeah. America. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We need America's team to be in America. And right now it's in Edmonton. We got to fix that. Um, I, I will fuck Houston because, again, it's a new city. Why not? It's, it's interesting. I think you could make a cool rivalry with the Stars. You can keep them in the Central Division this way. Um, I do like it, but I'm only fucking it because I don't want to commit to it because the idea of Atlanta is the one that I legitimately would pursue. Um, 
I, I really do like the idea of Atlanta. I wish that Atlanta got half of the league support that we see Arizona getting. So if the league wants to keep on supporting this franchise and make it work, then do it in Atlanta. I think that, like you said, there's such a cool way to do it with the culture, with, with someone like Anson Carter leading the way. I think that could be really intriguing. I think that you can make hockey so exciting in Atlanta and it feels like they just didn't commit to it. And I think you could do it as the Thrashers, a team that we all love now that we don't have them and we can appreciate them, you know, from, from a distance, or you can go with a completely new and fresh approach. Um, I think that there's some challenges with the city there and we've seen it with baseball before too, and how, you know, teams have built their own stadiums and own them that way. I think you can learn a lot from how the baseball and football have managed there and try to, you know, worth that into their own experience. Like there's notes to take from past failings and current successes. And I think that it's just the opportunity. And I, and I like that point about TNT being right there, right? Like here it is trying to be center of hockey coverage to have that be a relocation franchise and have the studio right there. I think there's some really cool opportunities that the league has not had from a broadcasting perspective in some time. All right. I have gotten back and forth 13 times, but here is where I fall. While my heart wants to marry Atlanta, I love the TNT call. I love that it would be a hockey team in one of the more diverse NH, a new NHL city. I like that. Um, I don't like that the proposed spot is Alpharetta. I think that's a huge point by Sarah. We've respectfully, it doesn't work in Florida. Like you have to be close. It has to be accessible. It has to be a place that people can get to easily and want to go to. So I don't like it for that reason. And also, if they go to Atlanta, now we have a whole conference rejiggering because you're going to move a team from the West to the East. And I feel like that's just drama that none of us need in our lives. So begrudgingly, I will marry Houston so that we don't have to change up the conferences. Um, and because they probably will have a facility that's closer to stuff, or at least you're in a part of the country where people are used to driving a long distance to get to things. Uh, relatively speaking, but I will fuck Atlanta because I still think it would be fun and amazing and cool. And I am going to kill Quebec because honestly, like every time they stomp their feet and say, but we want another team, like shut up. Like the the, the more you win like, a cup in Canada, then yeah, talk exactly. to us Americans. All right. And the more that they whine about it. It's just yes. like, it's exactly. inseparable. Exactly. Like that's the thing. Like if you would just be quiet, like your, I feel like the way my brain works, like the more you bitch, the less I want to like deal with it. Like just sit yeah. there and wait and show us that you're deserving and then maybe you'll get it. So there you go. Those are my picks. Like Atlanta has been this whole time. We don't see them bitching. And what's the, what's the Twitter account? It's so hilarious. Uh, not the Thrashers not or whatever. The thrashers. It's so good. <laughs> or it's I think so it good. might just be Atlanta Thrashers and they just tweet like they're still active. It's hilarious. It's so good. They it's did so get good. screwed though originally, but that's just how it goes with these Gary Bettman teams. I just want to see wherever we land here. I just want to see it done right. 100%. Yep. 100%. And they look at Vegas, look at Seattle. We're seeing how you can go right with expansion and not have years of shit. You know like what? here's Touché. how you can do it. Yes, like they, there's right. so much they can take from. And with other teams in every, in Houston, take notes from the Texans and go, what makes you successful? Go to the soccer teams and go, what, what clicks here? What doesn't work here? And just try to, you know, figure it out that way. Right. Like yep. it's not, you're not in this alone. If you're an NHL team, you have the money and the resources to do a shit ton of, you know, research. You can do the arena tours. Like how many times the Islanders were redoing, 
you know, UBS, their owners went to every single arena and were like, this works, yep. this doesn't work. Now do it with the teams in the area. Go make connections in the community. Here's a youth hockey team. Okay, we're going to team up with them. Do that. Just take the fucking time and do it. NHL owners hire us. We would be better commissioners. Look at these brilliant ideas coming out of our Too brains. many men consulting coming at you. <laughs> All right, my- All right, my friends. Well, that will do it for another episode for us. As always, we appreciate you listening. If you want to interact with us more, you can find us on the socials. We are on both Twitter and Instagram at two underscore much underscore man. Tweet us, IG us, comment. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Submit your nominations for Fuck, Mary Kill, our favorite game. And when you're not listening to us in your ears, you can wear us on your head, on your wrist, in your. you can write on your TMM burn book and in your TMM sweatshirt like Sarah is modeling like a champion today. You can find all that merch via the links in our bios. Please remember that all proceeds do not stay with us. They are turned around and given back to causes that help us live the mantra of what we ask each of you to do in some way every day no matter how big or small please make sure that hockey truly is for everyone we'll talk to you soon love you oh no i was playing with fire and muting and unmuting myself this whole episode love you bye